you why you wear the war paint. I, ultimate? Or, should I call you ultimate or warrior? How, how should I read? Why those that have made small sacrifices call me UW. But those that have made no sacrifices must call me the ultimate warrior. Okay, and, and where does this come from? This base plate is for communication with the warriors. As I lock eyes with a warrior that has his face painted, and the outer edges of this face plate interlock with each other, then I know that that warrior is ready to make that sacrifice so that I shall live. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you, man. This is our dueling Ultimate Warrior series. This is part two in this series that we wanted to talk about. This was the Dark Side of the Ring version yep. called Becoming Warrior, which, yep. like I told you, that the A&E went a little darker and deeper than I thought, mm-hmm. but I had a feeling Dark Side of the Ring would have went a little deeper, mm-hmm. and they absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, first thoughts is the whole time, for at least 75% of it, it felt very similar to, I don't want to call it a hit piece, but it definitely had the very similar to feel to the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD. I felt like Jim Ross was very comfortable shooting on the Warrior in this. Yeah, he was he was gleeful too. Yeah, because I mean, make no mistake about it, Jim Cornette has zero issues shooting on people. Yeah. So he was he was right at home. But uh, He loves to cut a promo on people. Yeah, I just feel like Jim Ross, he's a very positive guy. Mm-hmm. I met him. He's 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 the same guy that you see in person. He's like that in the back. He does feel like he will watch out for you. Uh, so for him to feel comfortable with just telling it like it was, mm-hmm. he felt like he had no reason to hold back anymore. Uh, he did, but still, again, two thumbs up for sure on this documentary. It was good. Uh, I gotta say, I can see why A and E wanted to jump ahead of them. I think. Um, I found A&E's documentary overall a little more, um, I guess, fulfilling, I guess you could say. Yeah. It just felt like a more complete piece. This felt kind of short to me. I thought we could have done a Warrior two-parter. It felt rushed. But um, still good. But I don't know. I kind of wanted more from them. Yeah, I feel like both, uh, both did cover his time as the Blade Runners, which was the very first time I saw him with Sting. Yeah. Right? He was the original Rock, Sting and Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Jarrett discovering them. They both got into their Power Team USA. You know, they both covered that well. Uh, what I did, what Darkseid covered a little bit more was basically the narcissism, narcissism, narcissism. that uh, maybe that they claimed that he had, uh, which I don't feel like A and E touched on that that much. Where it, you just saw that. You didn't realize it. It's just like he really was the equivalent of his ring entrance where he kind of skyrocketed to the top. Yeah. Because I don't know. I feel like watching, you know, because I was a fan back then, you know, and again, it was pre-internet. So you were following along basically Mm -hmm. through the magazines, right through the after magazines. And, you know, if you got lucky on some syndication, uh, because I remember him as Blade Runners and I remember him showing up in world class as the Dingo Warrior. You just... I didn't realize how fast those really were. Yeah. Uh, so it really was a, a quick 
right place, right time, right look, mm-hmm. you know, with the time of growing that and how that could affect your ego. Sure. It happens to anybody, right? Instant fame, instant stardom. And I guess it's not instant, but really five years from starting to being the top of the heat is extremely fast. Yeah, considering that, you know, Jim Ross didn't make it to WWE for 20 years, right? right? And just like, or even like more modern day Kevin Owens, you know, he grinded it out. You know, Warrior wasn't grinding it out on the indies. You know, he did. And it sounds like he, you know, he did the sting and they lived in their car and were making no money. You know, Memphis was known for making no money. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so they did they, they hit on that. Uh, but again, when he was the Dingo Warrior in World Class, uh, David Manning, uh, friend of mine, actually, good, really good guy. And if he says something, you can take it to the bank. He's one of the few people in, in pro wrestling that is just like, wow, you're a really good person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for him to say that, you know, he was already having uh, ego issues then was just like, oh, Okay, I feel like this that was covered more in Dark Side than it was in the A and E one. Yeah, uh, you know when he was a Dingo Warrior body guy. You mm-hmm. know the chicks loved the body guys in in WCW. Mm-hmm. I mean WCCW. Sorry, yep. uh, but they did cover that well, uh, and then they did uh, Eric Bischoff. He was part of the Dark Side one, but he, was he part of the A and E one? I feel like he wasn't. I don't recall him being on it. No. They didn't cover any of his WCW time on the uh, A&E doc. So. No. No, and it's probably for the best. Like I said, there wasn't. He's probably more known just for his trapdoor actually hurting Bulldog's back. Yeah. was probably the biggest pop mm-hmm. oh, as far as like that run went. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, the uh, Eric Bischoff pointing out his promos, uh, nonsensical at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that was his character, so I don't really hold him to... Uh, I don't hold that against him uh, because, it, again, it's just like you saw this guy is going to be the superhero merchandising machine. You know, Vince is going to strap a rocket to his back, yep. you know, and he, and he fit in perfect for that time, right? Sure. You know, him standing next to Hogan and Macho Man, you know, he was a, he was a perfect fit for that company. Yeah. Uh, the thing that really got me that was not covered in either of these, and we've spoke about this before, is just like, you know, Bobby Heenan not being a fan of him. And I didn't realize that he actually had, you know, I do remember the Heenan stuff when he was, re- he had to wrestle Heenan. And then if Bobby Heenan lost, he had to put him in like a weasel outfit. I remember seeing those on like primetime wrestling, uh, but he didn't take care of Bobby Heenan's neck. And we talked about this in Brian Pillman's uh, doc when yeah. Heenan flipped out on the air because he, he had hurt his neck because he was a bumping machine. So Warrior kind of hurt his neck and, and didn't really care. Yeah. That was a big one. And then the Jake stuff. Jake being Jake, you know, always takes things dark. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know, he he holds it against Warrior in a way that he was going to get that run that he was promised and then didn't because of the ultimate Warrior. Yeah. You know, and Vince literally screaming on him, you know, I'm about to fire Warrior. You have the worst luck. Uh and then for him to basically, I mean, this is 2015, right? It's just like at the Hall of Fame. They're uh-huh. both going in the same time. And he's got a roll of quarters in his in his pocket. That's old school wrestling right there. That's yeah. just like he's going to settle a debt mm-hmm. <laughs> from what? So it's like, can you imagine like old man Jake attacking old man Ultimate Warrior with a roll of quarters? Jeez. <laughs> so that was very uh, telling. But I didn't realize how... 
you know, by that time, I know it kind of jumped ahead. You know, Warrior had already kind of skyrocketed to the top, and this was after the WrestleMania six where Hogan put Warrior over big. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Do you remember? I watched that live. Did you watch that live? We talked about that. I don't remember. I don't. I didn't generally get to watch the the WrestleManias live. Mm-hmm. I was in the. Um, remember they used to hit HBO or something or Showtime oh, afterwards. Yeah. That's usually when I would get around to watch them. You know, wasn't we, my family wasn't a big pay per view purchaser. They were no way. Uh, you just had to wait for the or Coliseum home video. Yeah, just had to wait for it to that. hit something else. It was a big deal for Hogan to do it, and then they kind of touched on this where Hogan was a little bit unsure. But like, it sounds like once he Hogan put him over, and it sounds like he was very in it for himself to make sure he wasn't getting screwed. And the whole yelling at Jake was very off-putting. Yeah, if if that was true, but it sounds like it's pretty accurate because there was nobody. I feel like Sting was the only one that kind of came to his defense a little bit, but I think Sting was being forgiving because it sounds like even way back then when they were the Blade Runners, yeah, he was ready to walk away and kind of leave them hanging, and mm-hmm. Sting was the one that went there and tried to do right by them, and you know Warrior got pissed about that, yeah. So uh, didn't sound like he had a he had a whole lot of fans, yeah. Uh, I I mean definitely felt to me. Um, no one had anything good to say about the guy. Like you said on the A&E biography, um, most of the folks that were giving him positive, um, dropping any positive statements were journalists. You yeah. know, you weren't getting any wrestlers saying that. And which is strange to me because I can, I don't know. I can, I can recall working with people and not getting along with them and, uh, you know, things happening and even fights happening. And, um, you know, if they were dead, I think I'd be apt to just remember the times we did get along. Yeah. You know, and it seems like nobody had that to add. Yeah. I mean, I still feel like, you know, again, they were definitely shooting on him a little bit and I still feel like they're holding back, even though they weren't really. That's holding what I'm saying. Back. It felt, it felt like there could have been more in that dark side. There, that, that could have been a two parter. I think there was a lot. They, um, a lot of stuff left on the, on the table there. It's it's a big. This is a big character, you know. You would think, because I honestly didn't know much about Brian Pillman until I saw that two parter documentary, and then Warrior being Warrior, you think that would be worthy of a two parter, but yeah, yeah, I think it could have. I mean, because I, man, I his whole conservative motivational speaker career. I think a lot of, I mean, that's the last thing that he was truly remembered for before the hall of fame kind of gave him a little bit of a redemption tour. Yeah. I mean, but that stuff was, that was making mainstream news, you know, yeah. when he was going at it. So I feel like they didn't, I, they, they didn't get too deep into that, you know, uh, cause again, this one, they really focused on, you know, his ex-wife that she kind of like, sounds like she was one of the victims of his like success that ended right. up, you know, getting divorced and, I guess that one had somewhat of a happy ending because they ended up being friends and they decided it was best if they went their separate ways where they weren't even going to be friends anymore. Yeah. Um, but I feel like she she took it easy on him other than she said that, you know, he was he was really, it was a lot fast for him. Yeah. Her big thing was the infidelity. I think that was um, yeah. that was her main thing. But it was interesting how they had dueling wives, right, on each on each of the two documentaries. Yes, exactly. I, and I think, I guess the A&E felt a little bit more positive uh, just because I liked the angle of showing that 
at the minimum, his, his two daughters are kind of going to live by the ideals that he showed in front of the camera, you know, mm-hmm. you know, versus the stuff that he may have been harboring behind the scenes. I mean, obviously the warrior, the warrior character, not the warrior, the person, uh, the warrior character was kind of like always believe in yourself and never stop. And it looks like his, his daughters are going to take that ideal versus some of maybe his conservative ideals that got him a lot of heat. Yeah. You know, and I think it did kind of somewhat of a, it was very, again, reminding how chilling it was that it's just like to have that speech of every man breathe his last breath. And it kind of gave him a chance to have a redemption of the character itself right before he died. Yeah. And then having that part with Jake about ba- Jake, you know, about to hit him with a roll of quarters and warrior basically coming to him and disarming him with like a, a sincere apology to the point where Jake was taken back by that. And obviously he said he completely disarmed me and didn't know what to do. And I think them having at the last second, I feel like of, of his life, he got the people that could have shot on him the, the hardest being Jim Cornette and Jake. And they were all like, that's when they were like, whoa. And then like rest in peace where they didn't want to say anything more bad anymore. Yeah. Cause they realized something, maybe there was something to it. Maybe like at the end of his life, he had, you know, we can quote jewels from Pulp Fiction, that moment of clarity uh-huh. of just like, I, I need to do right by this. What did he die of? Uh, a, a massive heart attack. Yeah, but I remember that Hall of Fame. He didn't look good. No, something seemed weird. Something and I thought, seemed I, way to off. To me, it felt like uh, I, I was just behind. He's like, oh man, he's got all these old wrestling injuries. You think of that, but I guess he didn't re- even wrestle for that long. So, yeah, and I mean, he he didn't have a, a a style that would lend to having as much as lumbering as he looked. You yeah. know, he didn't have that style. I mean, even Hogan, who didn't have that style, he dropped a leg drop so many times that obviously he got a fake hit. But even Hogan back in the he used to do way more than he did later on. Yeah. Where Warrior always kind of kept everything pretty limited. Mm -hmm. So, but he did look really bad. So, so did you think both of these documentaries maybe glossed over um, the steroids angle? Yes. Because I felt like that was probably a big deal with him. I think A&E hinted at it a little, but they definitely didn't want to linger on it. Um, but I feel like he was no, he was probably, I don't, just, I don't know where I'm getting this information, but he was definitely a steroid user sometime as he was bodybuilding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that they, yeah, they touched on that. They yeah. basically said, you know, that he started that in bodybuilding and, you know, he got prescriptions for it back then. And I think that's on part of the trial. Yeah. He was a big part of the McMahon steroid trial, which yeah. is going to be one of the episodes they cover later on. Uh, he was a big part of that. Uh, I don't know if they covered any other excess drugs. Yeah. Because you would think, you know, I remember hearing the story of before the WrestleMania 7 match between Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man that they were having a challenge for who can consume the most coffee, and, you know, mm-hmm. and the rumor was, you know, they each consumed one of those giant silver cylinders full of coffee, uh-huh. and 
you can see both of those two human beings and realize that, uh-huh. oh, wow, they're jacked up on something. Yeah. And I don't think it's a coincidence that both of them died of a massive heart attack. Yeah, Colombian coffee, maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> there was definitely some, some additive in there. Uh, but yeah, when you would have no surprise that those two amped up characters died of a massive heart attack. I just don't know if there was any other uh, substances that were involved in there. And I would have been curious to see hear macho man's perspective on this unfortunately we can't because i feel like they had very similar uh stories in a way that they both had a lot of paranoia both had a lot of like protect your spot i think macho man came up a little bit more gritty than warrior did you know i feel like macho man basically had a fight for every single thing he got yeah but then once he once they both did reach that pinnacle they were both always kind of like felt very alone yeah. And I think maybe that's a top spot that very few people understand. I remember one of my last matches when Stone Cold was there. Uh, it was 98. And I remember him just sitting in his pickup truck in the parking garage drinking beer by himself. And I always thought that was, but that's when it was like peak Stone Cold times. Yeah. That is just like, he just was by himself. I was just like, maybe just to, to have that type, type of superstardom, you'd, maybe you do feel alone. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. So, and everybody handles it a little different because look, Stone Cold had a lot of dark stuff that people have forgotten about, you know, he's had a lot of arrest and, you know, personal things that actually became public. So I don't want to, you know, who am I to judge, you know, on how people react with this like superstardom that very few people get. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but, uh, this was definitely, a one of those fast burning stars that were like right place, right time. And it came up fast and then went down fast and just didn't have the same thing. And to get fired, you know, three, three times by the same person. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it had the closest to uh, a happy ending that he can get that, uh, dare I say, even macho man never really got, he never got that, the happy ending for the fans, mm-hmm. you know, it was like versus like the, you know, the people themselves, like Bruno San Martino kind of got that. It's just like there was some kind of redemption that finally they get their recognition because if they want this Hall of Fame to be legitimate, they do have to recognize the characters themselves versus the people. And I and that's a very that could get become a very heated debate. Yeah. With some of the darker stuff that's happened when, you know, with like Snuka or, you know, Benoit. But this stuff is just very opinionated, like you know, we talked about it, right? Ultimate Warrior, would he be the one storming the Capitol these mm-hmm. days? You know, according to some of those internet videos, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but a lot of that stuff kind of got deleted and disappeared from the internet. But there was some there's some gnarly stuff that was out there on his Ultimate Warrior blog when he wasn't with any company. Yeah. They only touched on that, but it was some, it was definitely some not pro- care for your you know fellow human being stuff by any stretch which is not what the ultimate warrior was the character was about is it a a bad take to say maybe he wasn't such a great guy (laughs) it's just like it's hard to you you don't want to speak ill of the dead and obviously he's a legend um in wrestling history is a huge part of that but the indication i got between both of these documentaries is maybe he wasn't such a good guy that's what it definitely did seem like that and 
it stems back to you know it's it looks like he had some he had some issues with it with his dad yeah he had a lot of self-esteem issues join the club was, yeah <laughs> with and you know let's not forget man uh steroids steroids affect your personality sure we heard Roy Rage. So if you basically this could have been a stew of all of that. So yeah, that's what I was that's what I feel like maybe was the missing ingredient in both of these documentaries because we did get a sense that we did get a sense of him being disliked and 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 we did get a sense of like how the way he saw things um was sort of only out for himself, but the question we didn't get answered I feel there is why. Yeah. You know, why was he like this? Why did he act like this? Was it just, was he really that self-involved? Was he really that selfish? Or was something wrong with him? Right, yeah, and and we'll never know now. Yeah. But you're, you're right, maybe there was, I feel like both of them did, you know, they were good. But you're right, There's there was something deeper there that I think we all felt. But I think everyone's kind of treading because it is that, you know, do you speak ill of the dead? And does it matter now versus when he, you know, when he was alive? You know, now do you just like kind of leave it be? Yeah. Versus like the darkness that kind of maybe lurked within him. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll never know now. But like as far as like this is it, you know, what we talked about before is like, do you separate the the entertainment from the entertainer? You know, do you, you know... Do we look at an ultimate warrior as just like, we'll just look at that ultimate warrior character? Does it, or is it kind of tainted when you know, you know, warrior, the person? Yeah. Does it taint it? And that's not, that's any industry, right? Whether it's, you know, actors or musicians that have a lot of these dark, you know, dark issues, the human beings themselves. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, who are we to judge is just like, listening to music from somebody who had a dark or, or you know to go even darker of just like that oj simpson the football player like that's dark right uh-huh. it's just like that is really dark dude just like that obviously that taints you know not only his history because you know obviously double murder you know even though he was acquitted double murder sure and part of that it just like it really blew through I guess that's a little different because that you don't separate that person because he wasn't playing a character on the football field. Yeah. But that's wrestling's in that weird spot where it's just like you have that or you have the actor who was 100% playing a character, but then you have these wrestlers who are playing a version of themselves. But sure. when you see, you know, when OJ Simpson's running through the airport, that's OJ Simpson running through the airport. When Tom Cruise is, it's not necessarily Ethan Hunt or one of his other characters. That's Tom Cruise, where the wrestler right. is that person, but it's a character too. So when does the entertainment end and the real person begin? I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just like you're never going to get Chris Benoit in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Just like I, I believe O.J. Simpson was taken out of the NFL Hall of Fame. Right. I would think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he's a goner from there and yeah. just like it you know, that comparison that that completely overshadowed everything he'd done. Yeah. But something like this with Ultimate Warrior is just like he was obviously not a nice person, so does that overshadow everything he'd done? But he also came out publicly against a lot of people, so does that overshadow things that you know, things that he's done? 
man, that's, it's some really, it's some complicated stuff. I don't, my, like, TLDR, I don't know what my opinion is on that. Obviously, it's a little bit more clear when it's O.J. Simpson, Chris Benoit, you know, it's very clear. Yes, that overshadows everything they've done. Uh, just try to move on from that. But, like, Ultimate Warrior, he hurt a lot of people's feelings, but he didn't hurt people physically. Yeah. You know, is that the line? Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like he's he's sort of a controversial figure in a lot of ways. And retro wrestling being on a hot streak right now, people can't get enough of that. Um, I feel like we're going to hear more about Ultimate Warrior eventually. I don't know if there's going to be any more that's going to come out for... You're, they're running out of people that kind of knew him intimately that would be able to kind of shine that light on him. I think time is... You're, a lot of this stuff is going to be lost to time. He fell on the very fringe of like the internet stuff. So his stuff, there are his, his controversial stuff is on the internet. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to hide some of that. So some of the people are going to know. Yeah.